Welcome to Uncontained episode 94. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and on today's show, we have the composing crew of the score for Dragon Ball Z Light of Hope, a live action Dragon Ball Z movie that right now on YouTube, it came out about two weeks ago when I recorded the interview and it is already up to 2.3 million plays. I speak with John Silas, Abraham Casimiera, and Edward Towner, also known as Eddie Bauer. You may remember him from episode 86 of Uncontained. And we talk about the process of putting together the score for a movie and what all goes into it, plus, you know, how they got involved with a project like Dragon Ball Z, light of hope that's all coming up on this episode of uncontained it is the holiday season so while you're doing the holiday shopping make your way to uncontainedpod.com click the amazon banner at the top of the page help support the show as you get those christmas presents you have to get anyway also you can give the gift of uncontained merchandise at tpublic.com i have the link on my facebook page and twitter page so just click that we'll get you there get you set up with uncontained merch for the holidays i won't keep you waiting any longer for this episode of uncontained with eddie bauer john silas and abraham casaneta how are you guys doing today great great how are you good good not much man good to have you back good to have you back on the show man and uh one of the projects that you were talking about uh released today as of when we're recording this which is the 14th of november that that's pretty huge that's and, and you've been having some uh we'll say some some big success on it so far uh yeah i don't want to get too much into the numbers but i would say we're doing we're doing pretty good right now <laughs> man the, very good man at, uh, at this cool. time and tw- within uh 24 less than 24 hours of releasing the movie uh they're at like 361,000 views i'd say that is uh pretty damn good guys yeah so. uh, just thank you to all the fans for showing yeah. the love and support yeah, from day one. Um, the guys at Robot Underdogs, uh, Rita and Dottie McMillan, have been just really, really pressed to get this done. And to finally see it come to fruition and the response from fans is just is just overwhelming. You know, I literally came in on the back end of it. And, you know, I feel like I'm part of the family already. So it, it, it's been huge, man. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So I guess uh, we all know that you've worked on Dragon Ball Z, which is out now. So do you want to just go around the circle and introduce yourselves real quick? Just a little brief introduction. So uh, my name is Abraham Castaneda. Uh, I was actually with uh, Robot Underdog since the very, very, very beginning. Uh, I just randomly hit them up and just decided to send them an email. And uh, this is before they even decided to start doing any film. And I didn't hear back from them, I want to say, for probably four months. So I assumed I just got, like, the L.A. no. And then out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, they just hit me out of nowhere. They're like, yeah, we love your work. Um, we, were, uh, we weren't sure if we were going to actually go through with it. But if you're still on board, we'd like to have you like, be a part of it. And I was like, cool, hell yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, I've been doing music since 97. And now I'm doing this with the music okay great that's awesome you've been on board since the beginning and that hollywood no man that 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 is rough <laughs> but that's the first time i've heard that uh had heard it put that way it's a uh, kind of a nice way to put it <laughs> so uh john what about you man um i'm a writer and producer i just started composing in december and this is my first dragon ball z uh venture so okay. I just got brought in on this project by Abe. All right. Awesome. Awesome. And Eddie, you want to go a uh, brief introduction as well? I know you were on my show a few episodes ago. Yeah. So uh, if you guys want to, you know, get the full rundown on me, you can check uh, previous episodes on Uncontained. You know, amongst many projects I was working on, this, uh, again, brought in by uh, Mr. Castaneda here uh, to work on dragon ball z light of hope and 
to say the least, man, by it being my first gig as a film composer, I say I didn't do bad. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 you know, and you know, I again a testament to these two guys and uh, uh, shout out to uh, JD. I am JD, who's unfortunately working as always, uh, but he's the fourth member of the composing team. He was the music coordinator and the mastering engineer and you know we just put our heads together and just like let's build a score that people can remember it by and i i think we accomplished that yeah the score is actually pretty epic listening to it it uh went well with the rise and the fall of action if there was any real fall to the action it was pretty action-packed the whole way through so i actually got to watch that today which i was excited about i was looking forward to it since i talked to you eddie so how did you guys end up fitting together like did one person take uh the cowbell the other person like <laughs> i'll do this over here and come together with multiple pieces or did you all like team up on one project well that one was um well, for some of the scenes, uh, it, it was a bit weird because uh, there were some scenes that they ended up actually sending me like earlier in the year before I even asked these guys to be involved. And uh, so some scenes were actually pretty much like already taken care of. Uh, for the scenes that we had left, uh, on the other hand, though, <laughs> it was a very, I'll just say, interesting <laughs> to work with certain. Uh, <laughs> and um, but yeah, so like, for instance, for the fight scene, it actually got delegated to pretty much I was starting it off. And uh, the fight uh, choreographer wasn't liking the pretty much the way I was starting it. And then it got handed off to pretty much uh, John Silas and Eddie over here. And so they took care of the fight scene. And then so pretty much from there, they I think uh, uh, you usually went for the scene where he died, right? Yeah. Yeah. Scores yeah. are pretty much getting tossed around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of a hodgepodge of yeah. different flavors involved in the score. But you know what, though? I think that brings the uniqueness to the score, too. Just simply because you don't hear. Because uh, um, especially like with uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, where Junkie, XL, and Hans Zimmer got together to do that score, you can hear the differences in character between the two scores, but it meshed so well. Mm -hmm. And I think that we had a good chemistry from the jump. And I think that translated into how we were able to build the score. Like, we weren't trying to step on anybody's toes. Yeah. Like, we were just trying to get the score done, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> when Abraham got frustrated with the fight scene, it wasn't like I really wanted to take it. It was almost <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I guess i give it a shot. And, I, you know, but... At the end of the day, to me, it, it was a collaborative effort all the way through. Right. Like, I don't think the score could have gotten done oh, by yeah. one particular person in general. I think it really had to take all of us to really get it done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how much of yourselves did you get to bring to the project, of your influences, of your own personal style, and how did you make that mesh? Oh, man, that, that one was actually... For me, actually, I come from a background of being like a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Okay. And so uh, this actually might tie into one of your, the questions that you have. But um, so for me, the challenging part was, especially for the pilot episode, when it comes to Dragon Ball Z fans, they're very, very, very picky. And if you do anything slightly wrong, they'll like hound you for it like instantly. And like, for <laughs> instance, like there's, yeah, for an example, like there's people giving us like heat because like the, the, 18 the girl android her hair it's longer than what is in the cartoon so it's like people <laughs> wow. that, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's like so going into writing the score i knew it was like okay people are gonna want to hear something like the original but music that works in the 80s doesn't necessarily work now what i would also tell people is that you also have to worry about like the whole copyright infringement all of that stuff yeah so, yeah yeah, so then what I would do personally is that I would try to like listen to the soundtrack of like the Dragon Ball Z cartoons and all of that stuff and just focus on how it made me feel more than anything. And then from there, I just uh, started applying what, what I liked essentially and then went from there. And then I would try to get some elements on the pilot episode 
there's this one like I guess scene where like the androids are like rounding up the the refugees, getting re- like to kill them. And during that one, I I actually I think borrowed like from a from one of the episodes that I was that I happened to see like that day. And I was like, oh, let me cut, copy that a little bit. And so okay. try to get elements in it. And so this way the fans are like, oh, I could kind of hear that you're pulling from this theme. And probably subconsciously I am. But again, I, usually what I do is I'll just listen to the soundtrack and focus on how it makes me feel and just go from there. All right. That's a, that's an interesting way to do it. And, you know, it is very touchy when you have an audience that's so dedicated to it, whether it be Dragon Ball Z, like Mystery Science Theater. When you have like a fan base that's that loyal and like kind of connected to it, it's kind of, it has to be tough to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was a, that was a when the first pilot episode came out. There was a lot of people telling me like, "Oh, how come you didn't use the original?" And I, and I actually had to say this like six hundred million times to people. I was like, "Well, there's copyright and you know and all of that stuff." But, yeah. But yeah, no. As uh, when it came to this project, um, for as it got closer to the deadline, I don't think any of us had a lot of liberty with our style. <laughs> <laughs> Some, but not much. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of leeway there, brothers. <laughs> but uh, but for some of the scenes, uh, like say for instance, there's this one scene where uh, where uh, Gohan is injured and Bulma's patching him up. That's actually one of the first scenes that they sent me, and they actually sent it with absolutely no music, no reference, and actually what I wrote was 100% what I felt should be there without any influence, and this ended up sticking. So. Right, and so is that how it's typically done? Do they, like, and we haven't mentioned this yet, actually, in this interview. This is a live-action uh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z with real-live oh. actors. It's not animated. So yeah. um, when they send you the video, do they normally send it without any music, any, like, guidelines to it? You just look at it, watch it, be like, okay, this needs a kick-ass, like, fight scene track to it where you know people are flying through buildings and fireballs zooming past their head you want to go through the fights <laughs> well, was... first, well, well first to answer your question <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, usually the way it goes uh, it depends on the director and how they feel about the scene so for instance that scene with Go- with uh Bulma talking to gohan it's a very touching scene and so the directors ended up making their edits and their cuts for the scenes on um, what felt right. And they didn't feel like music, they didn't need the help of music to do the edits. As opposed to the fight scene, for those type of scenes, when they send it over to us, there's already a temp track there that they want us to kind of copy. Okay. And so... Like a reference Yeah, track. so it's pretty much like a reference track from there. And then so... Uh, so is it typically yeah. just something they've heard in another movie that they're like, okay, I think something like yeah. this will work for it, but don't copy yeah, it too so, closely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know what the funny thing is here, Static, is I was looking at the comments last night, and and I mean, you, you got to understand, we're going through thousands of comments here, yeah. and I finally <laughs> found one related to something about the score. <laughs> and one of the things that was mentioned is that particularly in the fight scene that the percussion elements kind of sounded like something from the Man of Steel or from Hans Zimmer. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, we have to be careful. At the same time, um, directors are very picky, too. And it's a certain type of feel that has to be incorporated with visual to get the right type of emotion to the audience. And particularly with the fight scene, it was very, very tough to try to separate our feel compared to what the feel of the temp track was. And that's why in that (laughs) comment, it kind of brought it home like, yeah, it did sound similar because that's kind of what they wanted, but <laughs> keep in mind it sounds similar. It is not exactly like it. And that's what we try to do with every little piece of score that we did was 
you know, kind of follow the temp, but at the same time, okay, it's temp for a reason. Right, and it's there to, so that we can capture the feel, the pace, the rhythm of, of the uh, um, scene. But, yeah, it's it's sometimes you're going a little bit closer than you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this time around, as we got closer to the deadline, uh, th- that was one of the things that was challenging is that the first time I didn't work uh, with the fight choreographer directly, and I guess this time he was more involved. Um, but I guess uh, the the challenging thing is that since they're not musicians, it's really hard for them to, I guess, uh, detach, especially after hearing the temp track for so long. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. when we would give them something that wasn't exact like the temp track, they were like, mm, no, it doesn't feel the same. And so that was like, I, I don't know how many versions I sent them, but I was like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. Like, the drums are the exact same speed. The fucking rhythm is like, I. It's coming out. No, it's all right. Let it out. Let it out. That's not censored. You can drop the F bomb if you need to. So, when I tell people, like, me, I come from a background of music and I went to school and I studied theory, like, religiously, in a sense. And so, when I gave them, like, that song, I literally copied it the most I could without it being, you know, a cover. <laughs> I copied it so much, like, theoretically-wise, I copied it to the T. And they're like, nah, it doesn't feel like <laughs> I was like, I'm doing the same chords, the same fucking rhythms, like, just pacing. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, whatever, guys. <laughs> you, you should have tested them and just sent back the exact same track and be like, no, man, it's not the same feel. I was like, dude, that yeah, is literally the exact... I, I laughed because when I heard, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is exactly what they need. Like, no, no, it's not. Like, okay, back to the drawing board. Um, no, but but I love it, man. And then, like, even for, like, the last scene, uh, this was, like, during the last two weeks, I think I send them like 13 different versions for like that last scene alone. So like f- for me, like it- it's an experience. I love doing it. And then thankfully for that scene, they, they kind of just let me have at it. So they didn't give me a temp track for that one. So I was thankful and fortunate for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so would you rather get a blank slate or a temp track to work from? I don't mind the temp track if they're able to detach from it. Yeah. Cause then I, because because uh, for the for the last episode, I think they did give me like a temp track for like the beginning of the fight scene, and then like that's it. I just took it from there, okay. and, they, and they just give me like, oh, here's more or less what we got. And then usually for the fight scene, they usually do have a temp track because they're trying to figure out the pacing of the when they should do the cut for the scene itself and all of that stuff. And so, but since they're not musicians, they do the cuts at the weirdest places. And you have to like what? Like this is not even a complete phrase that you cut the music in. <laughs> like, <laughs> trying to find how to like, yeah, because they was just like cut it in there. That all of a sudden, like the choir just comes in. You're like, well, that doesn't go on beat three. <laughs> like, you know, like <laughs> and so, but yeah, so it's like trying to figure out how to like mesh it into there and make it blend well. Personally, yeah, I mean, if it's like an emotional scene, I would prefer them to give me an empty slate. Okay. I would prefer- but if it's something that's like very meticulous, a temp track for me again wouldn't hurt. But as long as they're able to tap from it and not be married to that temp track. Yeah, and you keep mentioning that that they're not musicians. Is it harder to like? I imagine it's harder for them to explain what they want as well, too. Oh, you know, I I understand music, but I'm not a musician, so like I can kind of do it but like when musicians get to talking and they're like nine to the tenth diminished and it's like all that crap and i'm like dude you fucking lost me but i can be like yeah the part after there like and i can explain a little bit but somebody who's completely not knowledgeable about music could have like a harder time it'd be like going to the mechanic and trying to explain what your car's doing not knowing about engines yeah and uh you know, I, I guess that's what makes these great composers like Williams and Elfman and Sylvester and Tyler and all of those guys you know, at the pinnacle of their profession because they know how to engage with the director in their language. And that was the thing that I had to learn coming in as a, just a newbie. I mean, come on, I, I literally started scoring or tried to score, come up with orchestral compositions a year ago. Like, literally, this was not my forte, and I just hopped on in it. 
and to actually now take that and to put it to visual, it, it was just like it, it was it was literally a nuclear bomb went off in my head. Like, damn, what the hell did I just get into? Yeah, no, thank, thankfully I I was fortunate since like again since I started with these people from the beginning. The very very first upload was only like a 15 second visual effects test to show people what we're starting to do. Okay. So like that was my first thing, 15 seconds. I didn't have to really worry about pacing and cutting exact scenes. So like I got to ease my way into the difficulty of <laughs> all the crazy things that these guys had. I just threw them into it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Abe. Nice. Thanks, it's like Abe. swim, swim, or you're going to sink. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So uh, this, just something popped into my head. Is it different, or would you have scored it differently if this was an animated version of Dragon Ball Z opposed to real-life action? First of all, I'm not an anime fan at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, the first meeting we had with uh, the directors, Donnie and Rita, they asked me, they said, so are you a Dragon Ball Z uh, fan? And I was like, no, not at all. <laughs> and they were laughing, and I was laughing, but I was like, dang, that sucks. Do I have to like watch years and years of Dragon Ball to catch up and nail this? Binge it on but... Netflix. <laughs> 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 but, um... I think I would approach it a little more cartoony if it was an anime. Okay. Just, I, I can't really explain the elements, but I think there's something different than a film, a live action, as opposed to a, um, an anime. Yeah. You know, something different. I, I probably can. I don't think pinpoint it. I don't think it would be that much different, to be honest. I think the score would probably resemble yeah. kind of more or less the same. But yeah, having the the live action and seeing that does take an impact and an influence on, on everything. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, uh, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I mean, yeah, I, I would it, say it would probably stay 80% the same personally, okay. but I don't know. It's hard. To, <laughs> yeah. It's hard. To yeah. Cause it's the, cause the story is the same no matter what, you know? So as long as the story is being told the same, I think it, that would influence our compositions, you know, in a sense. Yeah. All right. The reason I think I'm leaning that it wouldn't be that much different is just because uh even with films they start in a storyboard, so they start off with drawings. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so they go from there. And then so, at the end of the day, as a composer, we're trying to enhance the story. So whether the story is being told through live action or through a cartoon or through an audiobook, even like the composer is just there to enhance, you know, what the experience to enhance the experience in a sense. Yeah, I, I, all right, cool. It's, I was kind of wondering if, like, say, maybe, uh, some of the expressions of the actors would make you want to go one way opposed to, like, say, the cartoons wouldn't necessarily have the same, uh, dramatic effect that the actors would have, and it could have steered it a little different direction. But, um, I don't know, like when I was in college, I was in a video production class and I had to flip through catalogs and catalogs of music to try to get the right piece uh, to to put in uh, for background music to had to shoot like some book or something like reading rainbow style for college. Except for didn't have the budget of reading Rainbow, had to like just move the camera along the page to give it motion, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then uh, add music behind it, you know. So it was like trying to find the right music for that scene to help give it a little bit more life. Obviously, I'm not to the composing level. I was to the flipping through a catalog of music level. <laughs> it, it, I'm not trying to throw myself in the same boat. But um, it, it was interesting, though, because certain music, as you all know, enhanced certain uh, things going on in it. Yeah. Do you have... I'm totally changing gears right now. No transitional material at all. We're just rolling with it. Um, do you ever find yourself like listening to the radio and being like, okay, I don't necessarily like that song, but that song would make an amazing soundtrack song? Yeah, or or I could hear this song in a movie. I, I've kind of listened to songs like that before. Um, and like you mentioned, it's all about, you know, emotion. So as, you know, I'm pretty sure all of us have experience of producing or recording records. Mm-hmm. It's all about the lyrics, you know. 
uh, or in the case of, you know, a performing artist, it's probably the lyrics and the instrument that they're playing. Uh, I think it translates the same when you're talking about composing for visual, you know, the scene or the uh, the pacing of the dialogue kind of or the pacing of the action kind of dictates how you flow with it. And that brings a certain level of emotion, whether it be, you know, if you want to talk, you know, musical sense, diminished chords or mm -hmm. augmented chords or, you know, <laughs> You'll lose me, man. You'll lose like me. That, yeah. You know, uh, so that gives you a, a, a kind of a, it's a good thing to fall back on that we're actually musicians that kind of understand <laughs> that a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, it just takes a whole different context when you're talking about placing it within the structure of a visual, whether it be film or television. I think for for me personally, that was like the hardest transition because I've never done it before. Um, but it was a fun experience nonetheless. Yeah. And then... Uh yeah, because uh, you were asking about, like, songs that play on the radio, right, in mm. general? Because uh, it's hard for me, really, because uh, when it's the first time I'm hearing a song, especially one that has lyrics, it is almost damn near impossible for me to process what the lyrics are saying, <laughs> for me personally. Mm -hmm. And so, but in my mind, I'm, like, analyzing everything, like, what's the drummer doing? What's the bass doing? What's the guitar doing? What's the right guitar doing? What's the harmony doing for the voice? And I'm, like, literally, like, paying attention to as much of the song as I can that the voice is just another melody. I don't hear like the words. I just hear the melody that the notes are, are doing. Okay. And then from there, I can be like, oh, that sounds cool. And then that, then, then maybe I can be like, oh, this is what sounds cool here. But me personally, I, I have to hear the song like a hundred times before I can process like the lyrics. <laughs> Fair enough. That's kind of like the Maynard James Keenan approach to music. He thinks, uh, you know, Tool and Perfect Circle, he kind of feels like the singer is just part of the band, another instrument in the band in a way. So he yeah. kind of wants it all to be there. And that's part of the reason why he stands in the back of the stage as he sings most of the time. Oh, not wow. necessarily <laughs> not necessarily yeah. great for watching the performance i'm sure i'll get a few tool fans that will hate on that statement <laughs> but hey why not um so what was one of the biggest challenges that you guys faced working on this oh man probably that that closer to the deadline with the <laughs> with the directors not knowing um because it was getting to the point where if we started copying the temp they were starting to get happy we're like no we can't do that so I think the biggest challenge was that is just having them realize like, look guys, we can't copy Hans Zimmer. Like, <laughs> that's a big name to copy. Like it's man of steel, you know? And so I, for me personally, I think that was the most challenging thing besides the lack of sleep. But you know, like, I don't know. What about for you guys? I think it was just all the technical stuff, getting the mixes done, getting these things done, mm -hmm. um, having access to different studios, testing out the equipment, getting used to the speakers and the systems, um, the revisions of the scores, uh, revisions of mixing and the dialogue <laughs> with the sound effects and getting it to sound as good as possible and to translate across platforms like different speakers, uh, headphones, yeah. phones. Yeah. Cell phones, laptops. I think that that was a challenge. That was that was actually, and it was right in the end where we just finished wrapping up the composing. So it was just yeah. like right into the other thing. We're just losing our minds. And that gets into my personal challenge <laughs> because this was also my first time being a post-production mixer. Okay. Like I never, I never mixed post-production before. So you're talking about. The elements of dialogue, background effects, ambient effects, what we call hard effects. Then you got the music. Then you got to make sure it's automated correctly to make sure that the dialogue pokes out when it needs to poke out. And the music kind of like subtly sits in the background. And then in other cases, you want the music to kind of stand out because it brings in an emotional tie to the scene. Mm. So all of that is incorporated in the mixing. And then you had to make sure that the dialogue was like... You know, it, it, and I, I want to put this in the context for everybody listening. This was done with a $50,000 budget, guys. Oh, okay? wow. There was not, yeah, oh, wow. There was not a multi-million dollar budget involved in this, okay? Yeah. This was all donated by 
fans. Right. Yeah, and then just so everybody else knows, all that money pretty much went to like renting out equipment, like the gears that like suspended the actors for the fight scenes. Uh, pretty much the permits to go record in certain locations. Like none of us yeah. pocketed that money at all. All of us have day jobs, and we did this. For free. For free. For free. And so, like, <laughs> thinking back about the whole, like, lack of sleep, like, during the last weeks of, like, mixing and all of this, we, we would go to the studio. I would leave, like, at 5.30 in the morning to come to my house, get my daughter dressed to take her to daycare, and then go back to the studio. So wow. So it was intense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think all of us put at, what, at least 150 hours over the last week in the studio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a nice yeah. little part-time job. <laughs> <laughs> part-time job with part-time money, right? Yeah, I, I hear yeah. that. Yeah, but for me, that was the biggest challenge, you know. And, you know, I take pride in my mixing. So even towards, like, literally Friday, this past Friday, I wasn't satisfied with the mixing. I sent one last revision. Right. Yep. And they finally... <laughs> was like, hey, the mix sounds great. We're going to use this version for release. And that kind of brought me a sense of relief. Like, now <laughs> I feel comfortable actually giving these guys what they need to put it out there. Because I wasn't going to give them that much luster material. And I, like I said, these guys can attest to the same thing with the score. They did not want to give these guys copy of a temp or a lackluster score or a score that didn't deliver so I, I wanted to do the same thing with the mix and you know that's why we put so many damn hours over yeah. the last week to make sure that was right and we finally got it and you know uh again it was just you know that was the biggest challenge for me all right cool man so you were mentioning one of the biggest challenges was trying to get it to sound good across different platforms such as computers, cell phones, televisions, and stuff like that. How does each device interact differently with the sound? Um, well, to take into account the fact that we had to release this on YouTube, first of all, they're going to compress the file. Um, yeah. And even though the video is in 4K, the audio is not. So by compressing that audio file, it literally takes a lot of the dynamics out of it, especially in low and high end. So when I was going back mixing via speakers, of course I wanted to supplement that low end and give that nice space, especially on impacts like explosions, a lot of the 808 uh, risers that we have, um, a lot of the elements that have low end. We wanted to you know, push the sub on that at the same time uh, headphones and earbuds don't have a large frequency response, especially on the low end. So we had to make sure that the low end cut through on those smaller systems. So uh, one of the studios we mixed at, uh, EDRC, uh, EDRC, shout out to uh, Chase over there, we used a pair of HS5s by Yamaha. They're about as close as to NS10s I can possibly get. Um, but they have a very good frequency response to test and gauge how your mix would sound on smaller systems like earbuds and headphones and computer speakers and whatnot. And then, of course, just like I would do in music, I would just play the damn thing in every possible <laughs> environment I can. Scenario. Yeah, scenario, <laughs> you know, with traffic. You know, going on the train to work, <laughs> listen to it in the car with the baby screaming, you phone know, booth. Yeah, phone <laughs> booth. every possible environment just to see if everything translated, especially the dialogue, because that's at the end of the day, it's not really the music. The music supplements the dialogue. So I wanted to make sure that the dialogue cut through. And um, it wasn't really a challenge because I've done it before. It was just so many, so many elements in place that had to be combined that made it a challenge. And, of course, trying to stick to that very, very hard deadline of today. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. So I watched the movie today. I'm not going to give anything away, but I am going to say, damn, talk about a cliffhanger at the end. You know what? Uh, you know what's funny? The comments were like, 
I can't believe you guys left us hanging like that. <laughs> and then I love it. I love the way we, I love what Rita and Donnie did just by mm-hmm. giving them a nugget. Yep. And, <laughs> and, 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 and again, it's a, the, the music industry the same way. You, you you just spoon feed them and then entice them. And then they come back for more, and then you give them more to eat. And I'm pretty sure Rita and Donnie are doing the same thing with all of these releases. I'm pretty sure they got something else down the pipe. So, guys, I promise I won't tell anybody, but do you guys know what happens next? Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) I I think you could probably find it on YouTube. If you put History of Trunks, I think you can watch the whole animated uh, short film that we're doing this off of. Oh yeah! So, like for people, so for people who are fans, they know the story. So there's, there, they know. Like I don't want to say anything, cut, uh, give anything away. No, no, like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't give anything away. For people who are fans, for people who are fans, we there, there was no surprise for them. We're, yeah, we stuck true to the story. So, but for people who are not fans, or for people who are not related to like anime, this is for me. What's exciting for me is that it's getting them excited about this. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z for me, I think it's pretty cool, and this story is pretty badass because it has to do with time travel and all that. So, so. There, there's one thing I will predict, and that's a lot of ass kicking in the next in the next one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's be I, I don't think I'm ruining anything for anybody saying that. No, so, no, um, no. But... I think the, the I, yeah, I think the guy that uh, for like future trunks is when he gets older. Yeah, uh, I think this guy's like a trained martial artist, also. So like, <laughs> pretty much the only one that's like doesn't have any like martial arts background training, I think, is Android Seventeen. But oh yeah, the, but that chick and the other guy that they contracted, like, I think both of them have like that history. Yes, Amy Johnston does. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. yes, indeed. Yeah, the last one is gonna be insane. <laughs> right on. That's I am cool. looking forward to that. And I guess I'll just have to sit tight and wait for it. Uh, <laughs> same, same here, but, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. like, what advice do you guys have for people who are looking to get started out composing or doing scores for movies like this? Well, well, my teacher, my, my music theory teacher told me is, step number one, don't panic. <laughs> uh, so that would probably be my first advice. Uh, when it comes to... Uh, to this industry or whatever it is, uh, I guess my advice would be just don't stop, just keep going. Okay. (laughs) Like that, this is what it has to be. And then, um, honestly, what I would recommend to people is, um, be very social and be, and yeah, just be very social and talk to everyone that you meet. If you're going to have longer, uh, more than a 30 conversation, like 30 second conversation, they should know that you're doing music somehow. Like every person that I meet, they know I'm a musician. They know I'm a composer. Okay. And if I'm going to have at least a minute conversation with you, you're going to know that by the end of our conversation. One of the things that I've learned is just by me talking to people, talking to people, talking to people, uh, eventually they'll be like, hey, well, I do know somebody. I guess just start talking to people a lot. It's going to make you very comfortable to just talk in general so that when you are talking to directors, it's going to be a lot easier for you. To, just any work in general, even if you're producing for somebody or whatever it may be. But yeah, that would be my, my advice. Don't stop and just talk to everyone basically be like a person doing crossfit or a vegan because <laughs> within the first 30 seconds of conversation you know it <laughs> uh, for me uh i've been writing and producing so i've worked with a lot of people already so i just called tons of my clients and said hey I want to start composing music for films or for like commercials or little videos. So if you know anyone, let me know. And I just really reached out. And in December, what I did was I uh, took trailers off of YouTube. I downloaded them (laughs) and I started scoring them. I did one a day for about seven days. I put together a little uh, composer reel. I set up a SoundCloud just so I can send it out to directors. And I went on Craigslist, on Venmo, <laughs> on YouTube, anywhere I could, any, with, anything with the thread. And I said, I'm a composer, blah, blah, blah. I looked for people uh, looking for uh, people that had listings of movies, and I just hit them up. I hit everyone up. And from December till now, I've done six movies. 
And oh, people wow. hit me up, and I just consider myself a composer. I'm like, I'm a composer now. <laughs> I, was, I was a music producer in December, but now I'm a composer. I just literally changed it and said, yeah, none of them knew that it was my first, like, back then that I had just started. My first movie, they had no idea it was my first movie. Second movie, they, they didn't know I was brand new to it. But now I can, you know, I consider myself a composer. And you just have to tell yourself, this is what I'm going to do. Um, you got to get your skill level up. You have to go out there and, and hunt people down. You have to. Yeah. That, yeah. That'd be the main thing. Yeah, that, that'd be one thing, too, that I would piggyback of that. You have to hunt people down. You, Nothing's going to be handed to you. You have to go out there and do all that work. <laughs> and so, um, and yeah, and it, that's a, it's funny uh, that you said, because I actually said this to my cousin the other day. I was like, man, I had this deadline, and I got up at 6, and it, I didn't hit snooze to the alarm. So for me, I guess it would be like, you need to like really bring your a game 110 percent like all the time because then that's the only way you're going to get like returning clients or a director that wants to stick with you that's definitely good advice right there um hunt people down and uh force them to listen to your music yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right uh, yeah plus uh nowadays we we live in a in a society where we have social media so that's essentially like free marketing so get on social uh, i used to like not be a big fan of social medias but i, I forget the guy's name but he ended up being like a manager for like for like a kill switch engage at some point or something okay and he was like yeah but he told me like you need to get on social media so this guy has got a band famous so i was like okay i'm gonna listen to this guy so <laughs> but yeah the, the whole social media thing like that definitely definitely helps um it was thanks to pretty much the power of social media that i was able to get uh, the email contact of donnie and rita the directors for this one and then it's thanks to social media that uh, imjd contacted me and now i met these guys so social media is definitely another Powerful tool. powerful tool to have. I mean, you can already see by the numbers of this film how powerful social media is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think it's almost um, kind of obvious to ask this question, but uh, what is a highlight of your career that you'd like to share? Ooh. <laughs> well, for me... You're 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 listening to it. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I was thinking. Being part of a viral thing such as Dragon Ball Z, Light of Hope. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you asked the obvious, you get obvious answer. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, this is the highlight of my career, and I, I, I think you know to kind of you know segue into this question that you asked by pulling from a previous question, if I would have turned this down simply because it was a free gig, I would have missed out on all of this. That is the one thing that I take away from it, it being my highlight. Like this is, this is cooler than any paid gig that I've had throughout my 17 year career. Like seriously, awesome. I, and you know, I, I mean, I got, you know, I worked on stuff that got placed on HBO. I worked with famous artists. I worked with independent artists. You know, I it nothing compares to, you know, being with a group of guys, having a, you know, collective uh, uh, agenda mm -hmm. and a goal and actually accomplish the goal and actually seeing the fruits of the labor. And more than we can ever possibly imagine. I mean... You know, who knows what the numbers are at the end of this interview, you know what I mean? So um, that is definitely the this is definitely the highlight of my career, regardless of any uh, financial repercussions or, you know, anything like that. It's it's the pinnacle of my career. I, I would definitely say that. That's awesome. And for me, for me personally, it would also be this. Um when we did the pilot episode uh, here in the U.S., uh, they ended up doing uh, like a, a rock song called Rock the Dragon. And so while well, well, I was actually uh, still finishing scoring for um, the first pilot episode, uh, I finished doing the, my rendition of Rock the Dragon. And um, we ended up doing like a music video for it. And then the beginning opening credit, it does a close up on my arm and I have a four star Dragon Ball tattooed on my arm. Oh, and yeah. so once when I was working at Starbucks, I actually had somebody go, hey, you're the guy from Dragon Ball Z, aren't you? <laughs> and so, like, 
for, so for me, this project is definitely like the highlight of like my musical career because I've had people tell me like, oh, dude, your music is amazing. I had people tell me like greetings from Germany, greetings from Brazil. Like, yeah, you got to sign autographs at Comic Con. Yeah, we signed autographs. <laughs> somebody asked for my autograph at Comic Con, which is like, what the hell? And then I, I actually had somebody message me the other day saying like, hey, I just finished getting my bachelor's in music composition. Where should I go? And I'm like, damn, if you only knew, I don't even have my associates. Like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, so for me, I can clearly say, yeah, this definitely is like, for me, the highlight of my, <laughs> for me. Right on. For composing, for composing, I would say same for me. Okay. Just the fact that, that uh, we got to be a part of this and we met the cast and crew and I think for all the other movies I've done, I think only a few of them have been in America. They've been <laughs> in Germany. So I haven't got to meet a lot of, like, the crew. Just this, like, anal director most of the time. Just <laughs> hounding me about this and that. But, yeah, the director, Donnie and Rita are awesome. Yeah. The whole, all the cast are awesome. We got to hang out and we did the pre-screening at LA Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So that was just so fun. And they did the panel. So it, it was, it was a, an amazing experience. It really was. So I would say this is a highlight for me. Awesome. And by the way, I just checked since you guys mentioned it. As of right now, you're up to uh, 385,576 views. So uh, it's still going. I don't think it's slowing down, guys. I don't think it's slowing down. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, again, thank you to all the fans. Share, subscribe, Robot Underdog 2 on YouTube. Uh, Instagram, Robot Underdogs, of course, we're probably going to give all the information towards the end of the show anyway. Oh, yeah. But I just wanted to I just wanted to say thank you to Rita and Donnie and everybody who was involved in this project for allowing us to, you know, put our, you know, hard work, time, effort, whatever we did to, you know, make this what it is, because without the fans, you know, it's a moot point for us to do this. All right, yeah, definitely. And, you know, you kind of have to keep the fans in mind with something like this, too, or else it will, it, like, especially with something like Dragon Ball Z, as we kind of touched on earlier, or the fl- fans will completely revolt against it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, pitchforks. <laughs> Die. Yeah, you, 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 want, you definitely want to avoid that. But, uh, yeah. So I know you touched on social media just a little bit earlier, but what do you do to promote yourselves? Well, now that I have uh, this whole Dragon Ball oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> finished thing, uh, what I personally do is uh, I'll, I'll go on like social medias and I'll, I'll probably give like a minute sample or like a 30 second sample of like a song that I'm working on just to kind of tell people like, oh, look, here's what I'm starting to do. So it's kind of like a preview in a sense. And until I finally actually release it on like YouTube and iTunes and all of that stuff. And so, yeah, that's usually what I do. Or one thing that I think also helps is showing people that you're human. So sometimes just showing a little bit other things that are not music, (laughs) you know, know, but um, yeah, just small samples here and there just to entice people. And then, um, yeah, give them a release date of a song that I'm working on and stuff like that. All right, cool. I think I just have fun on Instagram and Snapchat, and it'll, it'll be random things like literally, like obviously food and stupid things that no one cares about. But like you said, it just shows that you're human because even I get annoyed seeing the same posts. I do this, I do that, and that's all I see. And especially if you know the person, you're like, dude, we do so much more than that. And I unfollow you. <laughs> but. Um, as far as like promoting like what you do, gosh, I, I really don't. I still literally go on, uh, all these sites and I still try to hit up directors. <laughs> that's what I do. Like, go to my SoundCloud, go to this, listen to this, and that that's what how. I guess I don't really promote. I just more so pursue them. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I guess you know for me now is to use this kind of like as a catalyst to do everything, you know, via social media, you know, kind of, you know, boost up my Instagram status a little bit and Mm -hmm. finally establish a Facebook page of some (laughs) sort. Uh, Of course, I got my SoundCloud. Uh, uh, 300,000 views today. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, 
we all have IMDb pages. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, we use that to uh, look for, you know, directors and producers and writers and uh, mm -hmm. uh, for screenplays and whatnot. So that's a good way for us to promote. And, uh, of course, you know, me working at AMI, working in Hollywood and, you know, getting in with these guys, you know, just try to, uh, uh, like they say, you know, be more than just music and just try to, you know, let these people know that you're at least somewhat human, <laughs> that you do have a life other than that. And I, I think they'll gravitate to to you more. Uh, of course, something like this kind of brings a little bit of uh, credibility to what you do. And yeah. now that people want to know you, you you, you got to give them more than just, well, you, you want to listen to something I did on the piano today. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the key thing also, like I was saying, like I always give people like a 30 second like preview just to give them a sample. Um, the key thing is also respond to people in the comments. And because if you like interact with them, then they start liking you and they're more likely to want to buy your product. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> because they're going to be like, oh, let me help out the homie. That's what they're going to feel like. Because you're real, you know? You're not just like this robot that just does music to you know? Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. feels good when they get a response back, too, and gets treated like a human as well. So good advice right there. So we'll keep this Dragon Ball Z specific on this question. Uh, when somebody watches Dragon Ball Z... And here's the score. What do you want them to take away and remember about the score of Dragon Ball Z? Hmm. Well, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, obviously, I want them to be like, this is a badass score. <laughs> and a badass soundtrack. But, um, I don't know. That's, that's a very interesting question. I mean, uh, what I hope people get from it is that they hear all of us actually wanted to give them something that was awesome in all aspects, whether it be really dramatic or very epic and intense. I, I just really, I hope, I guess, that uh, the listener gets like the full range of emotions from like the very like happy part to, well, there's not really a happy part in this scene, but hopefully feel the emotions of the movie without having to see the movie, if that makes okay. sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I got you on that. You could not be watching, but just hear the music in the background. You kind of know what's going on at that time from the rise and fall of music. Yeah. I don't know, Static. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't have anything, as I said, if you don't have anything, that's cool. I can just... Uh... <laughs> There's his response. Uh, I think what I would like people to take away from the score, just to, you know, piggyback off what Abe was talking about, that uh, we all gave it 110% to give him the best score possible. I think for most people, assuming this is a Japanese anime, when they hear it at first light, uh, they will assume that the score is cartoonish. Mm -hmm. And then when they actually realize it's live action, I'm pretty sure that they're going to want their expectations of the score to match that. And I'm hoping that we delivered. Like Abe was mentioning, I, and I've done this a couple of times while I was listening to the final mix, is to just close your eyes and not even look at the visual and just focus on how the music is projecting the scene to happen or is allowing somebody to talk as far as dialogue, mm -hmm. especially when they get in the, uh, some of the emotional part of the scenes. I don't want to give it away, but there's one scene that literally in about... 50 out of 100 comments I read, everybody said they cried. <laughs> <laughs> and that right there, I think, is the linchpin of a good score. Mm -hmm. It's how it ties to you emotionally. I, uh, you know, again, John Williams is my favorite. You know, I have all these favorite composers, and one thing that always sticks with me about them is they have a certain niche of how to grab you emotionally, whether it be to use an instrument or to use a theme or a motif. Or something like that. So I just want the fans to kind of get that same element from us, even though we're not a John Williams, a Brian Tyler, or Alan Silvestri. You know, we're, yeah. you know, John Silas, <laughs> Abraham Castaneda, and Eddie Towner. And don't forget about IMJD. Can't forget about that. <laughs> no, yes. but also sidetracking a little bit and kind of piggybacking off of you. Um, Earlier, Eddie mentioned that he was scrolling and scrolling, scrolling, and he couldn't find anything about music. 
for me, I kind of see that as a token, as a good sign, mm -hmm. because if the role of the composer is to enhance it, you know, we're not supposed to be getting the glory in a sense. So for me, I'm kind of seeing, uh, I'm seeing that as a glass half full, <laughs> you know, like that's a, that's a silver lining right yeah. there. Yeah, so, definitely. Nobody... It's kind of like the bassist in a band, you know, a lot of times, like <laughs> when, when you don't hear the bass or don't notice the bass, that means that bassist is doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. If the bass drops out, then you got a problem. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Hey, my mom likes it. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> nice, she says nice. it's special. Oh, yeah, I was watching it with her earlier, and like we said with the cliffhanger, she's like, what happened? <laughs> 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 like, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, you know, that's always fun watching things you do or listening to things you do with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to make sure I send my mom a link so she can check it out. Uh, and, you know, they, again, that's what made this project regardless of how much blood, sweat, and tears we put into it. That's what made this project fun. The fact that we can actually, you know, have an interview with you and discuss it and, you know, laugh about it, even though we went through those long hours like that and through all the hell and headache that we had to go through to still, like, you know, pat ourselves on the back and say, job well done. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, that brings a good sense of satisfaction, you know, with my compadres. You know, these, these guys are my friends for life. Yeah, I think this brought us a, a lot closer together than people think. And I think this goes for a lot of the staff, too. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, this brought us, you know, more as a family than just colleagues and coworkers. Yeah. And uh, I gladly take that away from this more so than even the views that we get, which, of course, most you know, again, thank the fans. <laughs> but, you know, this is my family now. Awesome. Um, so we're getting close to wrapping this up here today. I'd like to thank you guys for coming on and talking to me here. But uh, before we get into the complete wrapping up process, uh, have I forgot to ask any question or uh, have not asked any question that you uh, wanted me to ask? Anything you want to get out there? Oh, oh yeah. So, <laughs> so I actually have this, uh, this quote-unquote metal band that I'm yeah. going to be starting up. And so the last one of the last bands that I was in, it ended like really, really bad. Pretty much uh, the guy called my wife a whore and he told me to have fun playing house. And this is before we even decided to start our family. So okay. pretty much as an, as an F you, I ended up creating this song, posting it on iTunes just to like prove a point to these guys because they were so quote unquote good. But the only reason the music was uh, the band was blowing up was because of the music I was writing. And so yeah, it just ended bad. So I, I ended up making this song. I posted it on iTunes, and I created an Instagram account for this band, and it has over four thousand followers. And wow. keep in mind, I haven't been—I haven't been active. I haven't been promoting it. I haven't like really done shit with this. So a lot of my friends are like, "Dude, you should push that." So now that this whole DBZ stuff is done, I'm gonna—I guess—be back active on that. Uh, I'm gonna—I'm actually hitting up like videographers right now to do a music video for the next song that i'm going to release and the name of that band is called eclipse of apollo eclipse of apollo yeah all right cool man cool and uh are you the bassist i'm sorry i had to do a call back on that one guys. Uh, <laughs> awesome that was awesome uh, all right so that's awesome man so uh any anybody else shout out to rita and yes, Donning with Millen, definitely. Uh, Lohan Busan, uh, Kenny Lou, uh, Ruth Ann Thompson, uh, Amy Johnston, Jack Tyler Wall. Tackett, Jack Wall. That's the entire cast and crew. <laughs> Sorry if I missed anybody of Dragon Ball Z Light of Hope. I want to thank everybody uh, for allowing us to do this with them. Of course, my friend JD, you know, this guy got me my first conducting gig. And now, you know, I'm with these guys composing short <laughs> films and whatnot. And it's this guy busts his ass. The reason he's not here tonight is because he's working. So uh, All right, we'll we'll let that one slide then. <laughs> yeah, this time. Yeah, this time. Yeah, but time. next time. He's supposed damn it. to retire. He's supposed to retire soon. So we want to give him a good send off. You know what I mean? And uh, 
again, just shout out to those guys. They they, they made it more All than right. a fun experience for everybody. Okay, so I got one final question for you guys, but real quick before we hit that up, where can people find you on the internet? What are your socials, and uh, where can people find Dragon Ball Z Light of Hope? Social security number. <laughs> yes, I, I realized what that sounded like afterwards. And uh, do you guys have LifeLock? <laughs> uh, well, for all my social medias, it's super easy. It's Abe, so A B E. The letter C, and then music, and that's for all my social media. So that's Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, everything. And then so for Robot Underdog, uh, if you go on YouTube, you could just write Light of Hope, or you could type in Robot Underdog too. Yeah, but if you put Light of Hope, it'll be like the top video you see. So. All right. What about you guys? Where can people find you? Uh, Eddie Bauer Music, all one word. That's E D D I E B O. W E R music all one word on Instagram on Twitter uh, Edward Towner on SoundCloud Edward Towner on Facebook um, and Edward Towner on IMDB that's where you guys can find me all right perfect John where can they find you at mine is John Silas music J O H N S I L A S music and that's my IG and Facebook, actually. I have a Twitter, but I have no idea what it is. <laughs> and my Snapchat is not the... I don't know. <laughs> Those are good enough, Steady. All right, sounds good, man. Sounds good. Let them know where you want them to find you, not the, not the other places. Yeah. All right, the final question of the show is the title question of the show. Edward, Abraham, John... How do you live uncontained? Well, as I said before, I think I can say it again. No fear. Oh, no fear. No fear of failure. No fear of disappointment. No fear of hate. Just all out, 110% in everything you do. And, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of the circumstances, be proud of what you do. Know that you gave it your best. And you know the outcome would dictate itself. You, you you can't you can't change the outcome. All you can do is change your attitude on how you're going to approach what you do. So as long as you do that, I think that is the rule by living uncontained is just having no fear of anything negative going on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. For me personally, um, well, I I guess I go based on principle. So, like, for instance, um, well, let's say, uh, this might be a long answer. So, <laughs> 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 um, say, for instance, uh, I try to make it a conscious effort to every single day, you know what, today is going to be a great day. And so, with that mindset also, uh, kind of going off of, like, Eddie's mindset also as well, is that go with that no fear mentality. Because uh, a lot of what I see happening with a lot of people is that they doubt themselves a lot like a lot uh, yeah a lot of times we end up like closing the doors to opportunities before even knocking kind of thing and so for me to live uncontained is just doing that just every day i wake up i'm like okay what am i going to get done today what am i going to do to the fullest potential and it's always with that mentality of like what needs to get done next and then finishing it that is a great philosophy i'm trying to think it kind of reminded me of it was like an asian proverb or something it's like that's great you ate your rice now wash the bowl it's like what's next you know like take care of what's coming up <laughs> nice perfect yeah um for me as well like i think i've I like to think I don't, but I think I fear so many things. Like, I'm just afraid of everything. I'm afraid of taking chances. I'm afraid of failure. Um, I just look like, oh, this is negative. That's this and that. And it could be that. It's possible. So it might be that. So I'll turn away from a lot. But I told myself this year that I will say yes to a lot more things, a lot more opportunities. And it's worked out greatly, you know? Yeah. Um, and just to not be afraid of everything. And you know what? If you are afraid, just do it anyways. You know, like what like <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk said. Gary V said, um, you're going to die. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I look at pictures now of, like, places in the rest of the world, and I'm like, 
this world is huge, man. I need to like be writing music and meeting people all over this world. So that is literally my goal right now. Even with composing, like that's what I want to do. Yeah, and also kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, the way I live, I was also like uncontained. Is that I'd rather go in doing something and like fail at it and do it horribly wrong, than not do it and wonder what if. Yes. yes. And so like that, that's my biggest thing. Is that I don't want to have that what if the regret. Factor. Yeah, and so that that's a big driving force for me. I can say for sure. I agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, that's the way I I, I would say. I, I don't know what All right, perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today, uh, and congratulations on the big uh, success that you guys are having so far. And I'm sure we'll continue on. Um, you're probably up to like thirty million now. <laughs> probably. But, probably you know shit people watch that stuff a lot I've, I've watched it like 30 times since we've been talking um <laughs> no Thank but you. uh congratulations on it that's awesome and uh all that hard work you can tell that uh everybody in- involved in the film put in a lot of hard work to get the product that came out so i just have one final thing for you guys to do i have all my guests sign off the show so will you guys do me the honor of signing off the show tonight cool yeah i'm eddie towner aka eddie bauer i'm john silas and i'm abraham castaneda and, and we're, we're uncontained, uncontained. Thank you for listening to Uncontained episode 94. And thank you to my guests, Eddie Towner, John Silas, and Abraham Casaneta uh, for coming on and talking with me about creating the score for Dragon Ball Z Light of Hope. If you aren't one of the 2.3 million people who have seen it already, I suggest you check it out now. It's really cool to see a live action Dragon Ball Z movie with real people, not animation. So check it out. I got the link in my show notes. Thank you for listening and thank you to all the people who have uh, supported the show so far by getting uncontained merch. The Black Friday sale and Cyber Monday sales are over now, but you can always get uncontained merch at tpublic.com. I'll have the link for that in the show notes as well. Thank you for listening, and until next time, live uncontained.